strength and dignity are her clothing, and she smiles at the future. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. The virgin's name was Mary, and the angel came to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. She went and told those who had been with him as they mourned and wept. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and bless her. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin. Even she has conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month for her. When they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they would not believe it. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized in her household as well, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. Well, good morning, everyone. It's great to see you guys. Thanks for joining us this morning for worship here at the Vista. We are in the second week of our series entitled She Speaks. Uh, this summer, we're taking a look at some of the faithful, uh, godly women of Scripture and what their lives have to say, have to speak to us. So last week, we looked at a rather obscure uh, elderly widow in the New Testament, a lady named Anna. Um, I say obscure because we only have three verses in all of the Bible that have anything to say about her. And yet, uh, there's a lot that her life speaks. And so uh, last week was about a woman maybe you haven't heard much about. Uh, maybe you've never heard sermons about Anna. Well, this week we are shifting and we're going to uh, talk about arguably, uh, or maybe not even arguably, we're going to talk about the most prominent, the most popular woman in all of the Bible. I might even say all of history, right? And that is Mary, the mother of Jesus. And so most of her story is found in Luke chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, uh, you can turn to Luke chapter 1. And we're gonna, I'm going to preach my Christmas sermon here at the end of June, early July, uh, which I'm excited about. We don't talk about Mary throughout the year a whole lot. Uh, we talk about her a whole lot in December, and that's, that's really about it. As you're turning to Luke 1, um, I wanted to mention uh, in regards to our student ministry a couple things. Uh, first of all, be praying for our students and for the leadership in our student ministry. They are at camp right now. Uh, we did something different this year. Instead of going to camp during the week, a typical Monday through Thursday or Friday, uh, there was a camp um, that was over a weekend. And that, so this year, uh, they left on Friday. They're coming back tomorrow afternoon, but they are actually at youth camp in West Texas. And so um, be in prayer for them. Uh, I pray that God just speaks to our students. Uh, camp is always such an integral, important time um, where students can kind of unplug and just... Um, get with other students and, and hopefully hear from the Lord. So be in prayer for them. And then I also wanted to mention um, kind of an announcement. Some of you, if you have students, maybe you already have heard about this, but uh, we, are, we made a little bit of a shift in our uh, middle school ministry on Sunday morning, um, and that is a ministry called Refuge. Um, and so what we did getting into the new building and into the new student space, which is now bigger, we've decided to have Refuge um, during the 10 o'clock hour only. Um, we were offering it during the 10 and the 11.30, um, and after some talking and praying and just thinking strategically through the ministry, uh, we made that change and we made that shift. And, and one of the big reasons why is that what happens with students often is that they want to be around their friends, right? Students want to be with their friends. And so what was happening is we would have a really great crowd at 10 o'clock, but then during the 11.30, which also happens to be the service many first-time guests come to, 
Um, there was very few students. Uh, we didn't have critical mass to really do the ministry well, and it quite honestly was a little bit awkward. And so uh, with the new space and more room, we've decided uh, let's do our middle school ministry at 10 o'clock. All of the students can be together, a lot of energy, a lot of fun. Um, and then again, the middle hour allows families to come to either the 8.30 service, the 10, or even the 11.30. Uh, students can go uh, at 10 to refuge and then attend one of the other services or serve in some capacity. So I wanted to make that announcement for you if you uh, have students or even if you're going to have middle school students soon, because I wanted you to know that this wasn't something Chris just kind of in a, you know, in a vacuum was like, we're going to do this. Um, it's very much something that our leadership, we thought through, prayed through, uh, observed and felt like it's a shift we needed to make. And so just throwing that out there, pray for our student ministry. Chris and Emma, they do a, a wonderful job with our students. Um, and then middle school refuge will be on Sunday mornings at 10 during, in, in, the new, in the new student room, all right? Okay, Mary, the mother of Jesus. Again, there, there probably isn't a woman um, that has been more, uh, more praised, right? Uh, scripture talks about her being the most, the most blessed, the most favored woman really in all of history. She is uh, the instrument through which God brought the Messiah, the Savior of the world. God himself steps into human history, becomes a man, and it was through Mary that he does this. And so because she's such an important, such a prominent uh, woman, um, there's actually been a move in a lot of uh, church history to almost elevate her too much, right? There's been a, there's been a move to kind of put her on this goddess-like platform, this goddess-like status, right, where people tend to pray to her and worship her in all sorts of uh, ways. Um, for example, get it started, uh, back in November of 2004, there was a woman who made a grilled cheese sandwich and took a bite of the grilled cheese sandwich, there it is, and then she stopped and she realized, wait a minute, I think that is the face of Mary in the burn marks on the toast. So she uh, saved the sandwich and actually it sold on eBay for 28 thousand dollars. You can bet after that people were trying to make grilled cheese with Mary's face on it, right? They were, they were seeing what they could do to make that happen, right? Uh, 28 grand, right? Uh, because they thought they saw the face of Mary on the sandwich. Um, not long after this, actually a few months after this, someone thought they saw the image of the Virgin Mary in the watermarks under a highway underpass in Chicago, and they made a makeshift memorial. They stopped traffic, literally thousands and thousands of people would come and see this um, because they thought they saw the image of the Virgin Mary uh, in the watermarks dripping from underneath the highway underpass, right? And so this has happened throughout history where someone thinks they see, I've seen it where someone thought uh, they saw the Virgin Mary in a potato chip, right? Or um, in, other, in other ways. And so there tends to be this idea that she's, again, she's almost elevated too much. For example, I'll give you some things that you might have heard about Mary that are, that are actually myths. There's no biblical foundation for them whatsoever, but they're often taught. Um, and so let me just kind of roll through some of these myths about the Virgin Mary and who she was. One is that she was a perpetual virgin, uh, meaning that uh, she was obviously a virgin when she conceived Jesus, but that she remained a virgin her whole life. I was talking to a Catholic friend of mine who uh, said, you know, Mary was such a young, beautiful woman. Isn't it amazing? Isn't it great that she was able to remain a virgin her whole life? And my first thought was, well, not for Joseph, it's not, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> that sounds pretty rough, to be real honest with you. Like, 
No, there's, there's no scriptural basis for that. In fact, the Bible says that, uh, that Mary and Joseph had other kids, that Jesus had um, half-brothers, and that Mary and Joseph were the parents. And so, um, basically, scripture tells us that, again, after the birth of Jesus, Mary and Joseph, they get married, uh, they have other children, okay? So that's one myth about her. Another one is that she was sinless, that the Virgin Mary was sinless, that she herself was even conceived immaculately, and that she was free from the stain of original sin. And again, this idea that Mary was sinless just doesn't connect with what Mary said about herself. We'll look at um, the Magnificat here in a moment, this beautiful piece of literature and poetry that that was uh, from Mary's own heart. And, And she begins that by talking about God, her Savior, Mary understood her, sin, her sinfulness. She understood that she needed a savior herself. And so the idea that she was somehow sinless just doesn't really resonate with what Mary believed about herself. Mary understood her own sinfulness. Another myth about Mary is that she is uh, somehow a dispenser of grace. That in some way she can actually have a saving effect on people. That she can save um, in some ways just like Jesus can save. Which again, just doesn't resonate with what scripture tells us, right? That uh, Mary was a recipient of God's grace. Not a dispenser of God's grace. Um, 